The IP address is a conversation about intellectual property, copyright, and intellectual freedoms. Although Sarah and Michael Michelle are trained professionals in a library setting, they don't hold any actual legal degrees. Their opinions and statements should only be taken as entertainment and not as actual legal advice. This is just a fun little podcast made by and for people who love talking about these issues. So sit back, grab a hot drink, and enjoy as these two try to make sense of a very messy landscape. Hello and welcome to the IP Address, an intellectual property and copyright podcast. This is where we look at some of the gray lines in laws and practices, and sometimes we just talk about whatever we want. Most of the time we go on long-winded tangents, but we always make it there in the end. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Michelle. And I'm your other host, Sarah. And today, Michael Michelle. (laughs) Sorry, I never know who's supposed to do that next part. Yeah, I know. Take it away. Today it's me, and today yeah. we're talking about the great debate. You know the great debate, Michael Michelle. I do indeed. Yeah. What is better for the environment, ebooks or physical books? Yeah. Let me say so, that one more time because I think I think this I think I said boots the second time, but really what I meant was, mm-hmm. what is better for the environment, ebooks or physical books? I mean, there could be e-boots. Um, I have not be. encountered them yet. If y'all haven't noticed, the earth is on fire. It's kind of bad out there. That, yeah. yeah, some people haven't. Some people, uh, they're getting smaller and smaller, but they're still out there. Um, those the, who do the not The people who them, don't notice are getting smaller? Uh, they are indeed. Uh, they, you can, well, it's kind of hard to not notice when your lawn is on fire. So... Yes. I feel as though this is something that the library community in general has been floating around for quite a while, which is our e-resources kind of better for library uh, consumption and distribution to their public when you compare it to physical media. And I will always, and I have pretty much all of my library career, take the stance that libraries have a responsibility to be leaders in climate action and climate justice. And I mean, at this point, it's honestly, if you're not part of the solution, you are literally part of the problem. So like libraries kind of need to, and they have, get their acting gear and try to figure out what are the best resources, what are the best programs to combat against the climate change and the climate crisis that we currently find ourselves in today. You know, I don't want to step on our point at the end too much, but I will, because that's my way. I think it's really interesting when we talk about, you know, the climate crisis and we talk about the climate crisis in libraries. I think you're absolutely right, Michael, Michelle. You know, the question about our collections is one of the first places that our our minds seem to have gone. This hope or this aspiration that, you know, e-resources, those are going to save us. Look at Uh us. We're so Uh good. When we've talked about libraries and climate leadership we don't talk that much about e-resources right like if you think Mm -hmm. about the impact of the library um, in terms of climate really you got to think about buildings (laughs) 
Yeah. You got to think about buildings. You got to think about like travel. Are we sending our, our, our staff on flights around the world to attend conferences and, and, uh-huh. and as part of their professional development? You know, are we located in a place that requires people to drive? I think that thinking about e-resources just in terms of the like collective impact of that one piece, I'm just not sure that it measures up to those other pieces. It just feels like maybe it's a little bit of a softball, easy answer that doesn't require us to fundamentally rethink and reorganize these large institutional structural things, which I think is a theme in climate action in general. I, I was I was just about to say this is like the paper straw argument. It's yes. literally <laughs> a straw man argument when it comes to the climate action that libraries should be having. But it is still something that the libraries have been talking about uh, since this came up, maybe about 10, 15 years ago. Uh, but you are absolutely right in that like this is like one of the last things we should be talking about when we're talking about climate action and climate uh, justice. Uh, specifically around libraries and how we carry themselves. Full disclosure, I've been thinking quite a bit about this because uh, I am doing work with uh, a a number of organizations for libraries on climate action specifically. So uh, one in which you were the one that brought me on. So (laughs) no, I I brought you on and then I... (laughs) And then you just, you pieced out. You're like, like, it's fine, Michael Michelle's here now. (laughs) I can hang up my hat. Uh, yeah, we've missed you ever since. Um, <laughs> so let's uh, let's bring this back to e e resources and specifically ebooks when you compare it to books. And I, w- I wanted to even before we talk about that, even just briefly take a quick pit stop, a quick detour, uh, just to spend a moment talking about the media containers and how that impacts how we consume media and works. I love this it. Was Let's get f- into Marshall McLuhan right away, right <laughs> off the top. Well, this was one of the first discussions that I had in my library school, specifically in the philosophy of libraries, was, you know, does the container of media fundamentally change the way we consume it? And to put this in a very real context for any music buffs out there, you know, this is where the is it better to listen to music on vinyl versus streaming? I am in the camp that I prefer and enjoy listening to music on vinyl versus listening to music on streaming sites. I just prefer it. I like how it sounds. But there is a fundamental change of the media when you present it in a different way. And when we were first talking about this in library school, we did actually discuss it in relations to ebooks now this was again 15 years ago and it was all about how ebooks were going to be this great uh, fundamental change in how publishers and libraries would adopt the medium of reading at that time there was a lot of very we'll say like romantic notations when it came to the printed word that we still hang on to you know like Everybody loves the tactileness of reading a book. Everybody loves, you know, curling up with a good book, the smell, the atmosphere. But there was also a lot of people that... The vibes, you know, like there's nothing that I love more than curling up with Jane Eyre next to a candle, you know, at 3 a.m. You know, it's just, that's how it was meant to be read. If we're being perfectly honest. That you don't just quite get with my Kobo Glow. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, so... That, that was always something that I, I do enjoy talking about. Maybe we'll do like a full episode about that. But, you know, one of those 
things, if it matters to you, is this idea of the, the we'll say carbon footprint, because I think that's a really easy kind of, when we're talking about climate crisis and all that, a very easy um, moniker and thing we can point to of being like, okay, the increase in carbon in the atmosphere is really what's causing and contributing to the climate crisis that we're currently in. So higher the carbon footprint, the worse it's going to be. And I know that's a gross oversimplification, but is the carbon footprint, is the amount of energy that goes into reading an, uh, an ebook actually more or less than reading an, a book? And that could taint your enjoyment of however it is that you prefer to consume your media. It wasn't like a complete detour without any kind of tether. These are the things that some people like to think about. And a lot of people did make the switch from the printed material over to ebooks specifically because that, because they're figuring that's less. And I don't want to tread too much on what we'll actually be digging into, but like there's a lot of different reasons for why an ebook might be better for the environment than a physical book. Uh, was there anything you wanted to add before we jump right into, you know, looking at the different arguments for and against? No, I think let's let's jump right into it and let's jump all okay. over the place. Yeah. One thing I will say before we dive in completely is I've already seen a number of libraries actually um, make a, a switch from the physical media to electronical media. And it might not even just because of the environmental factors, but I'm sure that contributed to it. Um, I have worked for uh, a couple library systems that have actually stopped lending out physical media for music and have instead pushed people towards um, their online collection, either through their own library website, through Hoopla, through Spotify. I've also seen a number of libraries do this for their magazines and newspapers, mm -hmm. saying that, you know, we're not going to order quite as many newspapers or magazines and instead push people more towards Hoopla or... Um, Press reader. I'm sure that there's... Yeah, for that reason. And I think part of it is, A, financial. Um, it's a lot cheaper just to spend... Well, I shouldn't say a lot cheaper because vendor prices are you know, continuously going up. Uh, but there's a financial impact on that. And also just a collections, you know, you don't have to process that. You don't have to pay somebody to process each physical material as they come in. Yeah, just wanted to put a little pin in that. So let's talk about the arguments for and against. <laughs> let's talk about the climate stuff. Let's talk um, about I'm the holding stuff. back because there's, it feels like there's a lot of stuff that we can talk about in terms of like the user experience of e-resources mm -hmm. versus physical resources and the like, collections management perspective and the like accessibility perspective mm -hmm. and you know mm -hmm. i think there's a lot that we can talk about but today we're talking today. about the climate implications and as you said we're, we're going to look at this from a carbon emissions perspective um you know partly because that's a, a an important metric to think about and also partly because that is um one of the ways in which we were able to find information about this um so if we're thinking about the carbon impact of physical books um, and the production of physical books, you know, there's something intuitive about this, right? Like it takes energy, it takes material to make a book. We can think about the trees that need to be cut down, the paper that needs to be processed, the like fueling of the pulp mill, the actual like chemicals in the ink. And then once you have a book, you've got to ship it all over the place. And that's going to go into probably a truck, um, which is probably fueled by carbon emitting 
mm-hmm. mechanisms. Um, and yep. it's going to be shipped all over the world to your local store, to your local library. And maybe you're going to get in your car to go to the library or to go to the store to get it. So, you know, there's lots of moments at which there are emissions and material usage in the production of books. And then once we're done with them, there is the like the whole life cycle, what happens at the end of the book. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe it's going to end up recycled. Maybe it's going to end up in the landfill. A lot of the time it's going to end up in, you know, poorly curated little free libraries all around your neighborhood that maybe give you warm and fuzzy feelings, but maybe no one's ever actually going to read it. Um, maybe mm-hmm. it ends up at your goodwill that someone will pick up to make a craft with. Or again, from there, it might end up in the garbage or in the recycling bin. You know, there's things that we don't, we're not going to talk about directly. And, you know, the impact on waterways of Uh um, paper pulp is not something that is captured in carbon emissions. It's a different type of environmental impact that it's hard to compare apples to apples there. So just to be aware that there's other factors to think about there. And, you know, there's a lot of things that we, we don't know entirely, like how is the various printing presses <laughs> powered? What kind of energy uh-huh. is that? Is it green energy or is it non-renewable sources of energy? Um, all of that's going to have a little bit of an impact. But that said, <laughs> we do that's have it. some estimates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what we have found, let me just like go through my notes here because there's a lot of information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that a single print book, an average print book, is responsible for 8.85 pounds of carbon emissions over the course of its entire life. That's from the production to the transportation, the retail experience, as well as the like final life cycle in um, recycling or landfill. So 8.85 pounds, that's 4,000 grams, 4 kilograms, which is just about 100 times more carbon emission than the equivalent ebook reading experience. So 100 times more environmentally costly to read a single book in a physical format, taking into account the entire life cycle of that book compared to taking into account the use of your e-reader so by that metric bad news bears physical books are not good for the environment Um, and i did attend recently a conference presentation where this was presented to me for the first time this is this has been a question that i've sort of wondered about and i'd sort of um heard some you know various versions of an answer to but it was presented to me for the first time as oh we know the answer the answer is that ebooks save a ton a ton a ton of energy and the person telling me that was an ebook vendor um of course so that is the argument there but not to step on michael michelle's argument (laughs) um that is not the end of the story and i i think one of the things that i want to flag right away for us is you know there are so Anytime you do this kind of calculation, it's not straightforward. You really uh-huh. do have to decide the parameters of what you're going to include in your calculus. What part of the life cycle are you including? What assumptions are you making about how big this average book is, about how far it's traveling, uh-huh. Uh-huh. around how many books a person reads per year, which as we're going to find out actually matters for this comparison Uh and about how long it takes you to read sort of an average book. So 
it's not a straightforward calculus and you're you're gonna find that like all data you can take good information and you can tell either story um, mm -hmm. depending on on how you sort of frame the question Michael Michelle before yeah. you start talking about the arguments yeah um, for physical books or for ebooks please close out this section yeah, the bottom line that we can take with everything that Sarah has just put was books are destroying the environment and we need to wake up sheeple. You know, I think that's that's the bottom line that uh, I think a lot of people would want to paint with a broad brush when it, when they're talking about this. Um, stop reading. And, you know, stop reading. Start burning those books. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, by putting less emphasis on printed materials, uh, we are decreasing our reliances on those energies. And I think you were quite right. And I want to talk about this as a transitional piece, because within a lot of the research that we have found around, you know, which one is better than the other or what are the environmental impacts, I noticed one of the things that these studies, these uh, data analysts never really take into consideration is the user's own input within the, the cycle of the book. Like, as you mentioned, do we drive to the store? Do we drive to the library to pick up those materials? Do we then drive back? And then do we drive back again to the library to return them? You know, these are things that unfortunately aren't taken into account because we just don't know. You know, we don't know how far away somebody lives from the library system, if that library system's even on a bus route or public transit. So there's a lot of variables within this equation that we can't control for to actually parse out. Because as the kind of argument for ebooks is that we don't need to travel, we can stay at home. We can uh, go on the website, uh, log in with our library card, and take out the, the book itself. So there's no travel within that. But this is where we'll start to uh, make a little bit of a defense about the printed material, because that still takes energy. And I think that's another thing that we kind of forget about is that, you know, every time we power up a computer, every time we power mm -hmm. up a phone or a tablet, uh, any device requires energy. You plug it into the wall, that's taking energy out of the grid. And that grid, unfortunately, probably is still reliant on some uh, not so great energy sources. It's getting better. You know, it's getting better all the time. But, um, you know, I don't think there's any municipality that's running completely 100% on uh, hydro or solar or wind. Um, our reliances on coal, our reliances on, you know, nuclear, you know, those, those ones that have a little bit of a negative impact, those that use um, unrenewable resources. Um, so that's... You know, that's something that we need to kind of take into account. And so for the argument for the physical books, it's not looking like ebooks and uh, e-readers are actually all that better for the environment once we get down to about this. And honestly, this is something that we've known about for well over 10 years. Uh, basically, when the ebooks started coming out, this was one of the big pushes that a lot of the uh, vendors and developers were saying. It's like, look, we're taking books out of the landfill. Any book that is purchased on an ebook is one less that's going into the landfill. But those ebooks, those e-readers, you know, if, if we're going to follow that same suit, if these things are being constructed, you know, the construction costs of the e-reader and 
on average, a single e-reader needs approximately 33 pounds of raw material to create uh, between copper, lithium, and cobalt. And it's estimated that one e-reader uses around 100 kilowatt hours of fossil fuels. 96, uh, sorry, that's my dyslexia kicking in. 79 gallons of water and also admit 66 pounds of carbon dioxide. Uh, and this is something, again, that we've, we've known for a while. And this is some research that I found uh, from Carlotta Delgado. I'm really bad with pronouncing names, but I think that's uh, Carlotta uh, Delgado, published on Popular Science. This might not be chopping down trees, because when you chop down trees, you are taking away a carbon absorber, but you still are harvesting these minerals that come out of the earth, and that takes a lot of energy, either through the machines that you're using it for, through the processing and turning it from the raw material into the uh, more synthesized and usable material. And unfortunately, the average e-reader is replaced every two years, which always boggles my mind. I still have my e-reader that I bought 10 years ago, and I still have the, my same iPad that I bought also 10 years ago. I guess I'm one of those outliers that's pushing that number forward. But okay, okay, okay. Uh, let's go back to that statement about um, you know, the cost and um, analysis of the printed book versus the e-reader, which I have to say is, is it is out of date. It's one of those things where stats don't lie, but liars use stats. First off, this was comparing the first generation of iPads um, because the study was done 10 years ago. Uh, and it's also looking at massive tomes of books like the, you know, they're using uh, the, the sample sizes to their advantage. So... A study put out not long after this shows the evidence actually supports that um, iPads use a lot more energy within the first year. And when you take into account the production cycle of an iPad, again, we're still looking at the original one, we're actually seeing that, again, within the first couple of years, the printed footprint, uh, the carbon footprint of the paperback, like an average book by an average reader, that takes the about average amount of time to read puts out again this is when we're kind of kind of controlling all this that there's about twenty six thousand eight uh eighty seven grams of co2 that is emitted within a paperback uh book within its lifetime an ebook of that same book puts out one hundred and thirty thousand and sixty nine nice grams of co2 within its life cycle. And it honestly wouldn't balance off until about the fifth year because there is a little bit of a steep climb between the two. You know, the paperback will just stay at that throughout its life cycle. And the ebook, if you continue to accumulate more and more ebooks within the ebook reader itself, you do begin to see a little bit of a, a decrease uh, within the ebook footprint, only because you are eliminating the production side of things within that. You're not necessarily eliminating the upkeep or the energy being siphoned through the ebook. Again, we're specifically looking at iPads here. But again, it's, it isn't until the fifth year, and as we already saw, e readers on average are replaced every two years. So that's where it's it's not netting itself into a positive. We're actually keeping ourselves into the negative in that sense. And as I already mentioned before, this doesn't 
really take into the electrical electrical cost and the upkeep and the um, all those fun little details. This also has the assumption that the e-reader will last throughout the lifetime, uh, at least a decade. And it can use about 194 megajoules of energy throughout its lifetime. That's, that's the lifetime of the actual iPad <clears throat> itself. And to put this into context, uh, a petrol car that's out on the road will use about 109, um, 142 megajoules per 100 kilometers. And once again, this figure comes from Carlotta Delgado. So we've just said a bunch of numbers, Michael Michelle, and I want to pause because let's pause. I think it's really hard to hear them. Um, and there's two things that I want to sort of flag for us here. Sure. One is that uh-huh. I quoted a number earlier here from one source about the carbon emissions of a single book. And what uh-huh. I said was that it was four kilograms of carbon dioxide yeah. over the course of its life. And here we have a different study that is saying that it's 26 kilograms of carbon dioxide. So uh-huh. between these two studies, that is a huge difference. Eight versus 26, or actually, sorry, uh-huh. four versus 26. I think that that really serves to highlight for us that what assumptions we make while we're uh-huh. making these calculus is um, going to make a really big difference about what we get out uh-huh. and what sort of our findings are. The other thing that I want to like highlight and, and what I sort of heard from what you've just shared is that, uh-huh. you know, both studies are correct right like uh-huh. my study i was just going to say that highlighting the uh-huh. impact of print books is highlighting something true uh-huh. there is a carbon emission associated with books and i think that we often think that you know books are a innocent diversion or an innocent kind of consumption that has no impact and that's just not true uh-huh. um our huge collections of books i see yours behind you i have my <laughs> own I think that that I and a, and a lot of people feel kind of virtuous about our, our book purchasing, but it's not carbon neutral to buy mm-hmm. physical books. Yeah. And a lot of people feel, you know, virtuous about buying their Kobo or their e-reader and no longer buying those physical books because, oh, look at all the stuff that I'm saving. And again, that is not carbon neutral either. And what we're seeing is that the upfront cost of purchasing that technology, the upfront carbon cost of purchasing that technology is actually huge. Uh The per use cost might be lower. So once you have that technology, once you've made that investment, the per use cost of an ebook is gonna be lower than the whole rigmarole of producing a physical book. When we do that calculus, we're really ignoring the major carbon impact of the technology that we've also had to purchase and acquire to consume those ebooks. Absolutely. And I do want to reiterate and echo your sentiment of like both of these studies were done well and their findings are true. Like these are findings that they have rightly put out. And I, I think we need to be a lot more critical and a lot more literate to these types of studies to find out what it is that they're actually looking for and are they using the data that they have collected properly and are they using it in good faith? And luckily both sides were, but I can see vendors going to one side and ignoring the other side. 
Um, sure. And and I feel like a lot of people kind of do that. So it's it's always good to kind of go into a lot of these studies and a lot of these data uh, mining uh, exercises, making sure that you don't just stop with one and you you kind of continue on with it. And as you as you were mentioning, bringing this back into uh, the actual argument for the printed book, you know, I have my collection of books behind me, but a lot of people will read the book and then kind of be done with it, you know, and we haven't even, we've talked a lot about the production side of books and e-readers and how that has taken quite a bit of energy out of the system and admitted quite a bit of carbon into the environment. We haven't even talked about the waste cycle. And I think this is where a lot of people begin to think that the e-reader must be so much better uh, because there's less physical books being put into landfills or having to be burned or having to be <laughs> recycled. And unfortunately, I think it's a little bit outside of the scope of this current podcast to even begin to talk about the uh, misleading information and the romanticization of recycling that we've we've currently have, especially around um, plastics. But we're talking specifically about books and paper and pulp, uh, which is a little bit better, but it's it's a little bit better. Let's let's actually talk about the the waste of of these. And you know, you might as I mentioned, you might be saying, well, obviously the e-reader must be better because if I have hundreds or thousands of books on my e-reader, that's hundreds or thousands of books that won't eventually end up in the landfill because at the end of the day, much like our own bodies, the ultimate destination for all of these books is back to the earth. It's going to end up in the landfill. And, you know, we can donate these books to the library. We can donate these books to thrift stores. We can donate these books to, um, you know, the little free libraries. But eventually, after it's seen a handful of other people, pages will be torn, book spines will be cracked. And at the end of the day, it will land in the landfill to eventually return to earth. So wouldn't it be better if we just keep it electronical so we don't have to worry about that. So these these materials, these, you know, the lithium ion batteries, uh, you know, they might be better than like the straight up acid batteries, but you know, when they go into the landfill because again, a lot of people don't realize that you can't just throw an iPad or an e-reader into the garbage and you know we don't have quite the studies or at least i didn't check on the studies maybe i should have um to see how many people actually dispose of their electronics properly so those items are not as good as paper and ink for the landfill so uh, it's it's a hard to tell it's hard to tell which one is better based on the information that we've um we've presented because uh, i think that there's a lot of assumptions that people make when they think about the two um, that they don't really take into account. And I think at the end of the day, the e-resources might not be the savior that we thought they were. Again, it's the paper straw argument. I think we should be putting our emphasis on maybe other things. I also think that this is something that we've been circling around throughout the entire uh, episode so far, is it really depends on how you ask the question and what specific scenarios we're looking at. You know, let's let's move into the conclusion. What do you think is better? Should we uh, burn all of our books and go straight to all of our resources, or should we maybe um, do away with all of our resources and just buy up all the the books possible? So, I mean, I think, like you said, right? You know, all of these studies have to had to make an assumption about what your 
reading behaviors are and what your purchasing behaviors are. And at, at the end of the day, you know, the I think we'll link to the Australian study because it has some really handy um, comparisons and graphics. But, you mm-hmm. know, if you individually are trying to decide should you get a book as an ebook or as a physical book, it's going to depend on a lot of things. Do you already have an e-reader? If so, you've already made the majority of your carbon emissions when it comes to your books. And the more e-resources that you use through your e-reader, probably the lower your impact is going to be over time. So you mean, so you mean my 10-year-old Kobo is doing a lot better than somebody's say 1-year-old brand new Kobo? I I think so from a carbon emissions perspective. I'm going to um, tell It's just that like later. anything, gonna, right? Yeah. Like you want to reduce your consumption as much as possible. So mm-hmm. if you already have something, keep using it until you can't use it anymore. If you can get your books mm-hmm. used, do that. If you can get your books from the library, do that. Um, this is all going to um, contribute to lowering the carbon emissions because we are starting to cut cut them down through sharing, cut it down through using what we already have, um, through refusing duplicate purchases and um, mm-hmm. refusing to just upgrade for fun the next year, not trying to shame anybody. Uh, I think that the lesson here is like, let's not get too up on ourselves. The difference one way or another is probably going to be a lot smaller than you imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be harder to calculate than you think because it depends on so many micro decisions that we make every day. And yeah. um, maybe just like the paper straws, it makes a bigger difference to think about the things that we know are going to make a difference for us, even if they're not as fun or as sexy as buying a new Kobo. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, consuming less, buying used using public transit, using active transit, reducing our food waste, um, living in smaller houses, uh, and holding our governments to account for their role in regulating yeah, I was, big I was, I was CO2 going, producers. I was, going to, I, I was going to say, write to your elected officials to pass laws that maybe tax higher up companies that are actually the ones that are actively destroying the environment and not being held accountable. So may, maybe we want to talk to them. Uh, maybe we want to pass laws that increase taxes to those those big corporations that are actively destroying our world and then putting the blame on us little guys and making us feel bad for using plastic and kind of honestly preferring the plastic straws to the paper straws because they just get mulched in your mouth and I can't I can't I can't drink my bubble tea with plastic with paper straws. I just can't do it. I can't do it, okay? There, I've said my piece. I can't do it. You heard anyway. it here first, everyone. <laughs> Michael Michelle hates uh, the environment. <laughs> Let it burn, man. If I can drink my bubble tea with plastic, I'm a I'm a suck up those sea turtles within my plastic straws. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's definitely the passing of the buck. Um, and you know, one thing that I I always think about whenever I'm thinking about these kinds of comparisons is like. Don't throw away the baby with the bathwater just because we saw that, okay, the e-resources maybe aren't as great to the environment as we once thought. There's still a tool within the arsenal that libraries have in combating the climate crisis, and it shouldn't be the only tool. You know, like just because it's not as good as we once thought, it's still okay. At least it's no worse than the books that we have in our collection. And also, if this is something that our public wants... If this is something that our public needs, then we should still be offering it to it, 
to them. Again, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Uh, at the end of the day, we're providing resources, we're providing services to a population, and if our population has a bunch of e-readers and whatnot, and they want to use them, then absolutely go for it. I know I spent this entire episode uh, defending the printed book, but, you know, um, one thing that I noticed, and you had mentioned at the top of the episode about the accessibility, and one thing that I didn't notice about any of these studies, because they didn't really use it as a lens for the library, it was more of like the user end um, yeah. aspect of it, is like the accessibility of it. Like, for an e-resource, you know, for a, a, a book specifically, you now don't need to buy three versions of the book. You don't need to buy one version for um, large print. You don't need to buy one version for uh, dyslexics if you happen to have a dyslexic typeface. Um, and you don't need to buy the trade paperback. You simply have the one on your, your e-reader and you just click the type of format that you want to read it from. So. Again, there's there's a number of variables that I find a lot of these uh, studies don't take into account. Um, but I did want to end with something that uh, Nick Moran had written within their piece, because a lot of the information that we found within this particular podcast episode came from Nick's um, paper that he wrote back in 2010. Thanks, Nick. Uh, thanks, Nick. Uh, and I'm just going to quote him directly because he puts it just beautifully. And again, specifically in the the lens of the user end experience um, when it comes to which one should we go to. He goes, and I quote, we must resist the urge to purchase our next hot technology when it comes out. If you have an e-reader, use your e-reader until it no longer works and then recycle it responsibly. Do not purchase a new one before the old one happens to stop working. If you own an e-reader that you do not use, sell it to somebody who actually will use it so that they don't have to buy a fresh one. In simple terms, you wouldn't buy a new edition of a book if nothing was wrong with the edition that you already owned. So why would you do it with something ecologically equal to 50 of those books put together? And I think that's such a good sentiment within our kind of conversation that we were having. So yeah, I wanted to end it with that because it really does kind of put things into a perfect context. Yeah, did you have anything else that you wanted to, you wanted to talk about, bring to the table within our little episode here? I think that was very well put, Michael, Michelle, and Nick. Thanks. Uh, so that's going to do it for us today. Thank you, Grace Hayhurst, for the wonderful uh, music. Big thank you to Oliana Osinski for her graphic that she did for the show. And uh, thank you to uh, Sarah for being just a fantastic co-host. Thanks, Michael, Michelle. You're a great host. Uh, thanks. Uh, and thank you to you, of course, for listening and for... Uh, subscribing if you haven't already and for liking if you haven't already and for sharing this around if you haven't already you know tell your friends about it you know we're still getting some traction we're getting some good uh, feedback if you want to connect with us directly we do indeed have an email address that you can email us with any questions any ideas uh just to say hi uh it's ipad address uh pod at gmail.com uh and it's the same across the socials as well and I think that's going to do it with us. And as we say on the end of each of our podcasts. Don't yell fire in multiple fonts on your e-reader. Yeah. I think that makes sense. I think that makes sense. Uh, yeah. Yeah.